Welcome, welcome to the long-awaited debut of my solo podcast. Yeah, we know it's almost Christmas, so naturally the talk of Santa's is kind of, you know, entering that point. A lot to get to today. One of the things that I want to discuss is obviously last night. We're going to start off with the Steelers and the Bengals. The Pittsburgh Steelers were a team that within the past three to four weeks, we thought were headed straight toward a 16-0 season. But Karma came along and said, "Uh, hold my drink. I have something to say about that. The reality is the Bengals are not as good as advertised, as we saw last night. Let the statistics sit with you for just a minute, if you will. Juju Smith-Schuster has more posts on TikTok than he does receptions in the NFL right now, this season. If I remember my stat correctly, he has 95 posts on TikTok, 93 receptions. There's a problem, a big problem. No one's really talking about this, and they really should. The fact of the matter is, a lot of people, I think, thought that with Antonio Brown out of the Steelers building, things would get better. Things would be a little less childish. But the reality is, nothing's really changed. Juju Smith-Schuster, to me, is just a slightly less drama version of Antonio Brown. There, I said it. But the fact is, the Steelers have just completely, they look like they've just fallen apart in these last few weeks ever since they suddenly lost to the Washington football team. And last night was no exception, losing to the cellar dweller of the AFC North in the Cincinnati Bengals, who, by the way, are still without Joe Burrow for the rest of the year. The Steelers are just falling apart at the seams. At the the helm of a guy by the name of Mike Tomlin, who was under Coach of the Year option just a few weeks ago. There were some talking about his candidacy for NFL Head Coach of the Year. But with the way the Steelers have played in the last few weeks, they are far from it. Just to recap last night how everything got started, if you watched the game, you saw Juju Smith-Schuster dancing pregame on the Bengals logo. Then the Bengals secondary had something to say to him later in the game when they hit him with a jarring hit, knocking the ball loose out of his hands. Steelers, by the way, were 10-0 at one point in the season. They were 10-0 until their loss to at the hands of the Washington football team. They destroyed the Browns at home. They barely beat the Titans. They barely beat the Ravens. They beat the Cowboys. They beat the Bengals. They destroyed the Jaguars. They beat the Ravens. They lose to Washington. Lose at Buffalo. Now they've lost at Cincinnati. So to lose a home game to Washington, then they've lost two road games back-to-back. They have the Indianapolis Colts coming to town this coming Sunday, followed by a trip to Cleveland to take on the Browns. And they're in danger of letting the Cleveland Browns, yes, the Cleveland Browns, win the AFC North. Because if the Steelers lose out, they would finish the season at 11-5. and If the Browns win out, they'll finish at 12-4. and Browns win the division. It's kind of hard to wrap your brain around that, isn't it? Because right now, the Steelers have clinched a playoff spot. The Browns are in second place at 10-4. and The Ravens are at 9-5. and But this Steelers team just doesn't really scare anybody anymore. The fact that Washington beat them should tell you that nobody really has any fear of Pittsburgh anymore. There's no fear at all. By the way, little-known stat last night, Bengals running back Giovanni Bernard, 83 yards and a rushing TD and a receiving TD. Roethlisberger just barely was above 50% completion, 20 of 38, 170 yards, one touchdown, one interception, QBR 62.4. That's just gross. Meanwhile, you look at the Bengals, who, by the way, Ryan Finley at quarterback with Joe Burrow out, obviously out for the, Joe Burrow's out for the rest of the year, 7 of 13, 89 yards, one TD, no interception, had a QBR of 101.1 versus Roethlisberger, who had a QBR of 62.4. 
Yikes. This Steelers team is definitely in free fall, and something needs to change now before it gets worse. Because if they lose out, they'll finish 11-5, and and if the Browns win out, which potentially they could, the way Baker Mayfield and that defense is playing, then the Browns would win the division, and especially if they beat Pittsburgh coming up, they would own the tiebreaker, and the Browns would win the division. Only in 2020 could something this crazy happen. I want to touch on something that was mentioned on Pat McAfee's show just this past weekend, actually just a couple of days ago. The big question was, have we seen the last of Derek Carr in a Raiders uniform? And the reality is, this is a team that does not believe in him, or at least the front office doesn't believe in him. John Gruden and Mike Mayock don't seem to believe in him. And so now the question is, where will Derek Carr be if he is not in Raiders silver and black in 2021? There are five teams out there that I could see making a case for him to go to. And here are the five, and I'm going to start off with one. And this one's kind of off the radar a little bit. No one's really talking about it, but I think it's definitely worth mentioning. And that is the Dallas Cowboys. If you're Jerry Jones, you've already shown that you're not willing to pay Dak a long-term deal. And now that Dak is coming off a very serious ankle injury, you know you have to move and get a franchise quarterback somehow, some way, whether it's the draft or whether it's in free agency. And if you don't want to pay Dak Prescott, then look no further than the Raiders. The Raiders clearly don't want to keep Carr. It shows, despite him completing over 70% of his passes for the past two seasons. But Derek Carr is almost a no-brainer fix for the Dallas Cowboys. And on top of that, he fits Jerry Jones' box idea of what a quarterback should look like. Derek Carr almost has that Tony Romo quality about him. And I mean that by he's a great guy on and off the field. He's a family man. He's a religious man as well. So he'd resonate well in this part of the country. But Carr would be a no-brainer fit for the Cowboys if Jerry chooses not to retain Dak Prescott. They would probably have to restructure his deal a bit, but it could be done. He's going to give you 70% completion percentage, possibly a little bit higher considering the receiving core that he has. I do still say that Dallas's receiving core, when healthy, of Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb is slightly better than Hunter Renfro, Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar, and when healthy, Tyrell Tyrell Williams. The only place the Raiders have an upgrade at is at tight end, obviously, with Darren Waller. The Cowboys do need to get a tight end in the offseason, but if they can get that offensive line healthy, I think Derek Carr fits in well with the Cowboys' plans. That's the number one. Number two, the Denver Broncos. John Elway has been in quarterback search mode ever since Peyton Manning, in the twilight of his career, won him a Super Bowl. He's not found a quarterback that has worked, obviously. Still not 100% sold on Drew Locke. I haven't been sold on him since the day he came out of Missouri. Denver does seem to like Drew Locke, but if Derek, Carr, if the Raiders were to move on from Derek Carr, how great would that be for Derek Carr to get back at his old team than to join a conference rival in the Denver Broncos? Because we already know that the Chargers are set at quarterback. The Chiefs are set at quarterback, obviously. What better place for Derek Carr to go than the Denver Broncos to get back at his former team? Number three, the New Orleans Saints. We obviously know that the New Orleans Saints somewhat believe in Taysom Hill. Is he their franchise quarterback moving forward? I don't think so. He's proven that he can tread water and hold the reins pretty well. He's a decent game manager. He's a dual threat in that he can catch and throw. But long-term, is he the answer? I don't think so. And they clearly don't believe in Jameis Winston because we've yet to see Jameis go out on the field very much at all for the New Orleans Saints. This would be a no-brainer. It would be an easy transition. You'd be going from one great quarterback to another semi-great quarterback in Derek Carr. You have the pieces in place to make it work. And frankly, I think Carr would be embraced by the city of New Orleans much as the way Breeze has been. Number four, the Detroit. Lions. We obviously know that they're about to be in major rebuild mode, or they should be at least. They hired Chris Spielman away from Fox Sports to be in the front office as 
I believe his title is something along the lines of exec- executive to the CEO, something along those lines. Of course, Spielman played linebacker there a number of years ago, back in the early to mid-90s. But Detroit would be a good move, especially if they ship out Matthew Stafford and his enormous contract, which would make the most sense because Stafford's in the prime of his career. He needs to go somewhere where he has a chance at winning a Super Bowl. Finally, number five, San Francisco. We obviously know that Jimmy Garoppolo has not been all that available, and one of the key phrases of all time, remember, is the best ability is availability. And he has, and Garoppolo has not been available very much at all. If they find a way to move his contract or restructure his deal and move on from Garoppolo, and if Dak re-signs with Dallas, then this right here is a no-brainer move for Carr. He played his college ball at Fresno State, so he would be back in the Bay Area somewhat by moving to the Niners. And the Niners have enough pieces in place to where they could actually legitimately make another Super Bowl run once they get healthy. So, does Carr stay with the Niners or not? Or does he stay with, sorry, the Raiders or not? Well, we will see what happens in 2021. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, are still in the thick of the playoff hunt after a win this weekend against the 49ers, who, by the way, are now eliminated from playoff contention. The NFC least, and yes, that's what I'm calling it, the NFC least has been a disaster to watch. I've not seen a division this bad since the NFC West a few years ago when the 8-8 eight eight Rams and 7-9 Seahawks battled it out. That's how bad this whole division has been. The fact is, Dallas is still very much in the thick of the playoff hunt, even though Washington owns the tiebreaker after sweeping the Cowboys this year. The Cowboys have two games remaining. They host the Philadelphia Eagles at home. Then they wrap up the season by going to the New York Giants, who, by the way, they beat earlier in the year back in week number five. So now, the Cowboys went out. If the Cowboys went out, they would finish 7-9. to nine. They need Washington to lose their final 10 games in order to have a chance, because then they would win the division at 7-9. and nine. Washington's final schedule, they have to play the Panthers, host the Panthers at home, who by the way are 4-10. and 10. Then they have to go on the road to Philadelphia to play against the Eagles. This is a very potential chance for the Cowboys to salvage something out of what has been a nightmarish season. If if they do get and win the division, <laughs> heaven help us all, if the Cowboys win the division at 7-9, they would join the likes of the 7-9 Seattle Seahawks of a few years ago. But as any veteran football fan knows, when the playoffs arrive, anything can happen. Let's continue on along the NFL lines, if you will, in that how the Chiefs keep winning. How the Chiefs keep winning. They go down to New Orleans this past weekend and defeat the Saints by single digits in a game that really wasn't as close as the final score indicated, simply for the fact that Drew Brees in his first game back did not look like the Drew Brees of old that we are grown to know. But the fact is this Chiefs team just finds a way to keep winning week in and week out. And it's their offense that really guides this team to wins every single week. They've now won. They've now, let's let's just go back, if you will. Obviously, week 17, they're going to be taking on the Chargers in a divisional battle. But if you go back to week one, they defeat the Texans, then they defeat the Chargers, then they defeat the Ravens, then the Patriots, lose at home to the Raiders, they beat the Bills, they beat the Broncos, they beat the Jets, they just barely squeaked by the Panthers, by the way, by only two points, they defeat the Raiders on a Sunday night primetime game, they defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by only three points, they beat the Broncos by six, beat the Dolphins by six, and they beat the Saints by only three points. So as you can tell, their margins of victories have been almost razor thin. But if you look, Patrick Mahomes on Sunday, 26 of 47, 254 yards, three touchdowns, no 
interceptions. On the Saints side, for Drew Brees, didn't look quite the same. 15 of 34, 234 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. The running game was practically a non-factor. Alvin Kamara only had 11 attempts, 54 yards, no touchdowns. Receiving touchdowns for the Saints came from Kamara, Humphrey, and Murray. This Saints team is still good, mind you. Okay, let's not discount that. But the reality is the AFC this year is loads better than the NFC. The NFC is just the, the NFC is just terrible. You look at who might make the playoffs in the NFC, it's almost just gross to think of who it could be. By the way, another neat stat is that the Buffalo Bills won the AFC East over the weekend for the first time in over 20 years. They won the AFC East. Let's just let's just sound that 25 years. It had been 25 years since they won the AFC East. The Bills are good. This is a team that is to be reckoned with come playoff time. You know, obviously we saw them choke away the game against Houston last year. This is not the same team. Josh Allen has proven that he belongs in the discussion as being one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Plain and simple. 30 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, thrown for over 4,000 yards. That's pretty impressive. It's a pretty impressive stat line. Not to mention, Stephon Diggs, in his first season in Buffalo, over 1,300 yards receiving, 5 touchdowns, and he's had 111 receptions. So he's making a name for himself while he's in Buffalo as well after forcing his way out of Minnesota. This Bills team is a dark horse to get to the Super Bowl. And for the sake of people, fans, and players past of Buffalo's past misery, let's hope that maybe, just maybe, they do pull off an upset. All right, moving on along. The college football playoffs. We'll get to, we'll touch back on some Jets and Rams, by the way, in the news that no one really cares about, other than people that are interested in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Bama, your number one overall seed and that's just a no-brainer it's a no-brainer because Bama is that good this year and they're my pick to win the national title this team really the biggest fight they had so far this year was at the hands of Florida in the SEC championship in Atlanta over the weekend Florida showed that they could go toe-to-toe with them but I think that was more of the fact that Alabama has not had to play a top flight opponent in the SEC in recent weeks the last few in fact let's just backtrack if you will to the games that Alabama has had to play in the past few weeks. By the way, a little side note, the Hogs will be taking on TCU in the Texas Bowl. But let's look at Alabama's schedule over the past few weeks. They'll be playing, by the way, Notre Dame, number four Notre Dame, in the Rose Bowl on January 1. Now, if you look at Bama's schedule over the past few weeks, let's look at the opponents they've had to play. Obviously, Florida was a bit of a challenge for them this past week. They thrashed LSU, thrashed Arkansas, thrashed Auburn, thrashed Kentucky, blanked Mississippi State, took care of business in Knoxville, beat Georgia by 17, beat Ole Miss by 15, beat A&M by 18, beat Missouri by 19. Really, there's just not been any teams that have just given them a major, major fight except for, obviously, Florida over the weekend. I see this Bama team going all the way. There's too many, too many NFL caliber players on this roster to not win it all. You've got Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, Mac Jones, who all will probably be first-round picks in the NFL. And this defense, even though they did not play all that well against Florida, will find a way to get better when the playoffs roll around. That's just how Coach Saban rolls. Now, Florida at number one, Notre Dame at number four. Let's look at the number two and the number three on the college football resume. (sighs) Because frankly, 
One of the things that I look at, by the way, OU ends up finishing number six. They'll be taking on number seven, Florida, in the Cotton Bowl. But the fact of the matter is Clemson is number two after thrashing Notre Dame in the ACC title game. The big question mark is Ohio State. Only played six games, and people would argue, oh, you know, their strength of schedule, uh, the Big Ten wasn't all that impressive, folks. In fact, if you will, let's backtrack to when Indiana came to Ohio State and only lost by seven. Granted, they were down early, but you look at Justin Fields in that game, 18 of 30, 300 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions in that game. And Indiana, by the way, finishes ranked seven. Okay? Indiana had a pretty nice season. Now, fast forward, if you will, against Northwestern. By the way, Ohio State couldn't do anything against Northwestern for the longest time. They were giving them absolute fits defensively. Fields doesn't even throw a touchdown pass against Northwestern, finishing 12 of 27, 114 yards with two interceptions and a QBR of 65.1. Yeah. And people were even making the argument that Trevor Lawrence is the better quarterback. And people were saying that Justin, the gap between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields wasn't that much. I beg to differ that the gap is now a lot more between Fields and Lawrence. Fields' stats in just six games this year, 15 touchdowns, five interceptions, 1,521 yards. Trevor Lawrence, obviously they've played a lot more, played a lot more games this year, 2,753 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, only four interceptions, and by the way, side note, seven rushing touchdowns to boot. Justin Fields would manage five rushing touchdowns. (laughs) If you're... Jacksonville, which right now they own the number one pick. And if they lose out, they will keep the number one pick in the draft. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence is a no-brainer for you. You have the pieces in place. You have a potentially young defense. You have some weapons on offense for him. And you know you can get more in the draft or in free agency. You add Trevor Lawrence and you bolster the offensive line. You are well on your way to getting back to Super Bowl contention as you were just a few short years ago. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I have no desire to go to East Rutherford and play in the Meadowlands. The Jets are a complete disaster. The only two good, the only three good pieces they have on their roster are an offensive lineman, C.J. Mosley, and potentially Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold just needs some pieces around him, which he hasn't had, and he's done fairly well considering he's working with basically a bare cabinet in the kitchen. But the Jets have so many holes to fill that a quarterback is not going to solve their problems. They need to keep Darnold, and if I were the Jets, I would even consider trading the number two overall pick, and getting multiple picks in return. Because believe me, there is someone out there who may just start fresh and take on a project like Justin Fields. Because after all, you should be having a proceed with caution sign after seeing Washington draft Dwayne Haskins. Ohio State quarterbacks have not panned out in the NFL in recent years, and it has shown. We've had about every other position player, though, in from Ohio State pan out in the NFL, but not quarterbacks. We've seen the likes and fail. We've seen the failures of the likes of J.T. Barrett. Dwayne Haskins has struggled, and now. And even in recent past, Troy Smith, just to give another example of Ohio State quarterbacks that just simply don't pan out in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in this draft. It's not even close. I would even argue that Mac Jones or Trask from Florida are closer to him in the gap than Justin Fields. But if you're Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence is a no-brainer. Take him, take the money, and run if you're Jacksonville and get back to relevance in the AFC South. Now that that's been covered, let's move on. Obviously, My pick is for Bama to win it all. Now, we've talked about the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Let's go on to Butch Jones going to Jonesboro. I had mixed feelings about this move. Obviously, Blake Anderson in his time here, great effort in Jonesboro. 
kept the Red Wolves stable, kept them competitive. Obviously, this the past year or so has been a hard one for the Anderson family. His wife passing away after battling breast cancer. And Coach Anderson needed a fresh start. Terry Mohair, the athletic director, knew that it was going to be time for Anderson to move on after losing his first losing season at A-State, as, as far back as I can remember, the only losing season that he's had. Butch Jones comes in to A-State. Obviously, a mixed tenure, a mixed tenure at Tennessee in his time there. But Butch Jones's resume at Cincinnati was obviously really good. He was also a special assistant to Nick Saban at Alabama. Granted, he comes in by the way with a four and two bowl record. We'll see what he can do at A State. A State has a lot of potential to re- to come back stronger than they did this past year. Obviously, Appy State. The likes of Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina obviously blew everybody away. And obviously, University of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, Louisiana Lafayette, obviously had a pretty good season themselves, finishing number 19th in the country. A-State has got a long road ahead to get back to where they were just a few short years ago in recruiting and in other facets. But the fact is, A-State will be back. I think Butch Jones gets them back to around the 7, 8, maybe even 9 wins, depending on recruiting and how they managed to do in that this offseason. Obviously, 2020 had a huge impact on recruiting.